You know, I um, didn't come to offend, but sometimes the word offends. If your flesh gets in the way, then it will offend. Um, good preaching, I heard, should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comforted. It should, should swing both ways. Uh, I did not come to motivate you to action at all. That's not my purpose. But to explain to you your place in the body of Christ and then as a result of understanding who you are in Christ, how you fit in the body, we'll get a reaction. Not an action, a reaction, which is action, but, but from a different place. I, I, I didn't look it up while I was sitting down there, but I thought of the, there's an Old Testament scripture that says, because you did not serve the Lord with joy and gladness of heart, you will serve your enemies. Um, so serve was the key. But, but still at the same time, this is not a works-based uh, salvation. It's not works-based. Um, works, I used to say this all the time, works do not produce a relationship with Christ. But a relationship with Christ will always produce works. You can't help it. You, you love Jesus, and if you love Jesus, you'll love his people, you'll love his word, and there's the ministry. There you're, you're there. And we are one body with Christ as the head, and we said last week, uh, I am one body. I didn't ask my feet this morning if they wanted to come along, uh, if I could get some agreement from them. You know, hey, you guys, uh, I'm thinking about going over to Gaylord today and just wondered if I could get you guys to come along. We need some help getting in the building. And so, uh, you know, I, I know you got a lot of things going, and, but uh, hey, how about it? No, I, I got up. My head said today's Sunday uh, in my heart, and I said, I'm committed to Pastor Norm to come and to share with you, and so we all just got together, and we didn't even think about getting together. We just got up and functioned, and uh, I do say, uh, if Christ came to serve, and he did, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. He came in the flesh, in his body, to serve, not to be served. We now are in the flesh, his body, the representation of Christ on the earth today. If you are a part of the body of Christ, and, and uh, I will not assume that you all are, uh, but if you are a, a part of the body of Christ, 
at the DNA level of your Christianity, down as deep as it can go, is a desire to serve. You just can't, cannot get away from it. And, and I, I told Vicki that first slide that you, you put up in, in the morning that says pray, uh, um, something about pray, pray about finding your place in the body. And I said, they need to change that. Um, people get so hung up on titles and I feel called to do this and, and um, uh, they, I feel called to do that. Uh, I, or what is my gift? Listen, your gift is where you are. Ministry doesn't start and stop. There is no switch that you start and stop. Oh, now I'm in ministry. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, if you're a Christian, you are the representation of Christ on the earth all the time. And last week we said uh, about ministry. Uh, ministry happens where you're at. Uh, do, do we trust that God orders our steps? Yes, steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Now, what is there about that steps in ministry? Well, Ephesians 2.10 tells us uh, uh, that God has prepared good works in advance that we should walk in them. So he's ordering our steps and as we follow the steps that he has ordered, there's a good work prepared in advance that you're just going to bump into. You're just going to bump into it. Hey, I, I could tell you right now, you reach your, I, 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 I taught at a Bible college in India, and I said, so what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're preparing for ministry. And I said, oh, so when does your ministry begin? Well, once we graduate, then we'll go and... I said, what if I tell you you're in the ministry right now? Good works prepared in advance that you should walk in them. Well, what is that good work? Well, what can you reach? What can you reach? And I told the students, reach over right where you're at. Put your hand on somebody else. Tell them, you be blessed in the name of Jesus. And they did. I said, you're in the ministry. And we told the story last week about uh, I visited a church and there was a piece of paper laying on the floor when I walked in and I walked right past it and I thought, huh, everybody in this church building has got to walk past that piece of paper. I wonder how long it'll be there. And you know, nobody picked it up. And I, I, I guess, scolded the church a little bit and I said, you know what, I bet if that was a $100 bill, it wouldn't have been there for 15 seconds. Because you see value in a $100 bill. But you don't see value in the good work prepared in advance that you should walk in it. And a faithful man abounds with blessing. And whatever we do, we do to the glory of God. And you don't, you don't see goodness in that. What you see is a temporal goodness. So, that's last week, and it's this week, and, and it should be life. This, this is who we are. This is where we live. If they say we need to think, if you can do it, you should do it. 
If they say we need help moving all the chairs out of here, you can lift a chair. Oh, I'm not that strong. Push it. Be a cheerleader. Go, man, go. People will cut you a break if you're physically not able, but, but do what your hand finds to do. And do it with all your might. If the opportunity to serve presents itself, that's God making a way for him to be glorified. Because you're doing it in Jesus' name. That's the only thing that makes your work acceptable. And an opportunity for you to be blessed. Now, I, I said this last week. I, I really think uh, that the largest mission field in the world may not be overseas. It might be right in the local church. Because the gospel, and, and Vicki and I have done a lot of uh, Christian counseling since we came back to Michigan, and I always ask people, um, tell me, what's it mean to be a Christian? I just I want to make sure we're talking the same language, because they come from a lot of different backgrounds. Oh, born again, oh, personal relationship with Jesus, oh, you don't have to go to hell, get to go to heaven. None of that is salvation. None of that is even the gospel. All of it's true, but none of it is the gospel. You know, here's the gospel, 1 Peter 3.18. Jesus Christ died. I got that. The just for the unjust. We're together so far. To bring you to God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Because Psalm 16 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. You can't get any fuller than full. Where do you find fullness of joy? In the presence of God. In his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. You can't get any longer than forevermore. So the goal is not to get you to heaven so that you can start enjoying eternity. The joy is to get you, the, 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 the target is to get you to God where you can start glorifying him and living in his presence right now. There's a purpose. I started to listen to a message. You remember um, uh, Jim Elliott who died, the Aka Indians? I started listening to a message this morning just for a few minutes. His wife, Elizabeth, talking about suffering is not for nothing. Seven-part series, about 30 minutes each. And, and that'll challenge you. If you think that coming to Jesus means that you're not going to have any more problems, that everything's going to go good, that you're always going to get healed, and you're going to get a raise at work, and your marriage is going to get straightened out, and your car will always run right, man, somebody sold you a bill of goods. Because Jesus said they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. In this world, you will have tribulation. Where, where did we get this idea? And then it, it's been presented as the gospel. John Wesley said over and over and over in his diaries, I, I, I went to London. I, I went to Lancaster. I went here and I went there. And I offered them, I offered men, Christ. 
And, and now the gospel, we don't offer men Christ. What we offer them is forgiveness. Well, you're forgiven, but forgiven for from what and for what? We, we, we don't offer men Christ. We offer them pardon. We offer them peace. Now we offer them prosperity. Forget it. Let's go back to the purpose of the cross. Jesus Christ died the just for the unjust to bring you to God. God got exactly what he wanted when he created Adam, put him in the Garden of Eden, in his image, in his likeness, walked with God in the cool of the garden. Psalm 116, again, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. So there was nothing that Adam lacked. He was with God. It could not get any better than that. God never slipped his arm around Adam and said, Hey, buddy, someday I'm going to take you to this really cool place called heaven. You're going to really like it there. No! There wasn't anything better than being with God then, and there isn't anything better than God now. People talk about, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. Our many rooms are many mansions. So we talk about, I'm getting a mansion in heaven. Woohoo! Yeah, we'll hang out at your place for a while. Then we'll hang out at my place. I, I think God's going to have it according to my taste. We're going to have a little fishing pond, big old bass out front, and you can come over and we'll just do some fishing. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When we get into the presence of the God, of God, where those angels for eons have been going, holy, holy, holy. You tap me on the shoulder and say, let's go to your place and go fishing. You may find yourself on the knees, on your knees and not worshiping. I don't want to go to your house and go fishing. I want to be with God. Amen. And you got to finish that verse. Don't say in my house are many mansions and then stop. That verse goes on. And the verse goes on and it says that where I am, Jesus said. Here's my purpose in preparing a place for you so that where I am, because I'm the goal, you can be also. Mansion, mansion, who cares? Maybe there is. But I could care less. I want to be where he is. That's why you want to go to church. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If yesterday you said, oh, tomorrow's Sunday, i got to go to church, you should be afraid. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Behold how good and pleasant it is that brothers can dwell together in unity. For it's there, where, where the brothers are dwelling together in unity that God commands his blessing, life forevermore. See? We, we get the gospel twisted in knots. Make promises to people that aren't the gospel. We make promises to people about things that are only really going to be fulfilled once we get to heaven. And then we try and make them happen here. 
And I got to get on track here because, but, but I believe, I believe that this message means nothing to you if you're not alive to Christ. Nothing to you. You get mad. I'm surprised any of you showed up. It'll mean nothing to you. Because the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh. And I'll tell you what, your flesh does not want to obey God. Because you want to be God. And, and, and that, you're wired with that because we were born in sin. With sin. And you want to have your own way. I want to have my own way. We stand in Walmart and listen to a kid two years old, three years old, cry, I want, I want, I want, I want. I just poke Vicky and go, that right there is further proof that we need a Savior. Because nobody taught that little kid to do that. You don't teach kids to be selfish, self-centered, disobedient, and liars. You don't teach them. In fact, you teach them the opposite. They're born with that. We're born with that. Don't I sound mean? I'm, not, I'm kind of standing back and listening here and going, whoa, man, lighten up, Ted. But this is the word. Now, so again, I, I, I'm not expecting action. I'm expecting a reaction, a thankfulness that God broke through your stony heart. My stony heart spoke to me, said, Ted, you're mine. I said, but God. He said, no, but God, nothing. I wrote your name down before the foundation of the earth. You're mine. And nothing can pluck you out of my hand. Now, as a part of his body, whether you're a big toe, a knee, eye, a mouth, an ear, whatever you are, your ministry is right where you're at. We talked about last week, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has set the members, every one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Just as he pleased. And we see the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, chapter 2, where Jesus said, I will build my church. And 3,000 were added into the church in one day. In fact, if you'd like, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, yeah, I guess you can start there. No, don't, don't start there. Um, first, or Acts chapter 2, we can start there. One of the indicators of whether or not you're truly a Christian is a heartfelt desire to serve. The Bible, I don't have time to go into it, but it's all over. Jesus preached on false converts all over in the New Testament. A lot, most of his parables are about false converts. So the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church, check yourself, see if you're even in the faith. Check and see. Because you might not be. You guys, you're going to church and you're passing buckets and teaching children's church. But he said, 
just make sure that you're, you're doing it out of here and not out of here. Check yourself. See if you're even in the faith. We're one body with many parts, yet we're still one. Just like Christ is one, and every part is vital. Every part is important. There isn't a part that isn't important. And the first time I made this point like this, I was in Uganda, and the, I mean, there was a witch doctor's hut out there, and, and I, we were on the shore of Lake Victoria. Man, we were in Tarzan land. And when you go on that kind of a mission trip, you pay for everything. You pay for your, your airplane, you pay for your hotel, your transportation. Usually you're helping pastors with money to get to the meeting because they can't afford to get there. You're feeding them. You know, sometimes we'd have to raise $10,000, $20,000 to do some of these conferences to teach pastors what I'm teaching you today. And I'm trying to cram a whole three days worth of stuff into two Sundays. And I'm not doing very good. But I, I told those people in the church that day, and this, it just flipped, just came to me. I was telling them how important they were and that every part of the body is vital and every joint supplies and we can't do without you. And, and, and how we as people tend to look at the pastor and say, yeah, he's in the ministry. He's important. The elders, they're important. The worship leader, yeah, that guy, he's important. But all I do is greet, and anybody can do that. That's important. It's important because it's a part of the body. So this is what I said. It was just like it came into my mind. Sometimes things come into my mind. I just say stupid things. But I said, hey, you know what? Let's receive an offering. Now, I paid for everything. And I'm telling these people with nothing, let's receive an offering. I said, somebody run out and get the offering buckets. So they did. And I'm working through an interpreter. They came up and they had offering bags. I said, now this is going to be a very unique offering, but I want everybody to participate. When the bag goes by you this morning, you will see at the bottom sharp objects, razor blades, knives, and scissors. And here's what I would like you to do is please take a moment and remove from your physical body any part you're willing to do without. Put it in the bucket. We'll gather them up here. Okay? And they looked at me like, this man has lost his mind. I said, you know what? I'm not going to pass the buckets, but I got a feeling if I passed them that they'd come back empty. Because none of you are willing to do without even a single earlobe. You don't want to go through the pain of separation. You don't want to go through the loss. Every part is vital and important to you. Now, these were pastors. I said, now pastor, if that's the way you think, what do you think Jesus thinks about his body? 
Are there really any parts that he's willing to do without? No. So, let's take a look at the greatest evangelistic demonstration in the New Testament. Every true body of Christ is desperate to fulfill the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? Preach the gospel, make disciples. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptize. And then he says this thing, and teach them to observe all the things I've commanded you. Well, what's involved with that? Because he did more than teach them how to preach. These apostles, disciples. When we consider the church, we consider what it would look like when harvest comes and we think, okay, times of prayer and fasting and worship and preaching, but there's an element to revival and harvest that mostly goes unnoticed. Remember, Jesus said, I'll build my church. It's a foundation stone that gets ignored, and, and I want to quickly take a look at this and see if we can find it. So I'm going to jump verses you can look in your Bible, and you probably should make sure I'm not lying to you. Uh, Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said to them, this is Pentecost, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in, Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter preached that. One guy, whole sea of people. He preached that. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wow. I want you to look carefully at all that was going on after that. Verse 42 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in, the, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and prayer. Four things. 3,000 people received the Lord that day and were baptized. Now, let's just think. Let's just think. Do you really think that Peter baptized 3,000 people all by himself that day? You think he did that? Man, if I baptize 10 people, I need an afternoon off. And then they continued steadfastly. Who? Those 3,000 people. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means they were having Bible classes. Prayer. You think Peter taught all the Bible classes? Led all the prayer meetings? The breaking of bread, he arranged all the potlucks and communion services. And was in charge of all the fellowship gatherings. You think Peter did that? There's no way Peter did that. Plus, the Bible says the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. I can't imagine Peter got a lick of sleep. The 
The thousands that were added during these moves of God had to be cared for by more than the preacher. Peter preached. But who helped him with everything else? Even if it was just the 11 that were left. Could those 11 have handled that kind of a workload? I want you to think about it. I mean, let's just think. What's conspicuously missing here? Because they didn't hurry up. There's nothing in here about that. Let's hurry up and have an organizational meeting and see if who we can get to volunteer to help with some of this stuff. That, that's missing. There's nothing in here where Peter said, let's, you know, we need to get up there and tell people we need workmen. We need somebody for children's church. Come on now, if you got kids in the nursery, you should be helping. No, none of that. There had to be a foundation of helpers already in place. Nave's topical Bible lists revivals at Pentecost and nine times after in the book of Acts, and each move of God in harvest and revival, had to have a foundation of workmen and helpers. Think with me for a minute. Where in the world did these people come from? Re remember, because they weren't an accident. Where, where did these helpers come from? There, there's no training time. I know there were 120 in the upper room, but there's no time for training here. There's no time to have Ted in and talk to us about the ministry of helps. But we do know that God set every member in the body just as he pleased. And Jesus said, I'll build my church. What's he going to build it out of? Living stones. 1 Peter 2, 5, you also as living stones are being built into a spiritual house. One of the mistakes I think that we've done, and not everybody, and not, I, I'm not, I don't go to church here. I, I'm not talking about your pastor. I'm talking about church in general. It is that somehow we've made uh, the, the gospel all about us. And it's not. It, it's all about the, dem the greatest demonstration of the glory of God in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ for sinful man. To God's glory. But we get to be a part of it. And Ephesians 4 says God gave us leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for what? For that four-letter word, work. For the work of the, to equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I could lay out hammers and nails and boards and tin, and I could say, yeah, you, this is a barn. But if nobody picks up the tools and follows the plan, and God did leave a plan. We don't have time to go through that one today, but he did leave a plan, and this is it. Make disciples of all men. See, Jesus didn't just teach people 
to preach. Let's think about who followed Jesus in, in your Bible. It says that a multitude followed him. It says that many followed him. It says that the twelve followed him. They're all disciples. Everybody I've named so far are disciples. We know that the three followed him, Peter, James, and John. He, they, he took them into when he raised a little girl from the dead or Mount of Transfiguration. Always took Peter, James, and John. And out of those three, it was John, the beloved, the one that laid his head on the shoulder of Jesus. John even describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. But everyone was important. Now we know he sent the 70 out to preach, cast out devils and such. And they came back and they were all jacked, you know. Wow, man! Jesus, it was so cool. Even the devils are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, okay, everybody get in your seats. Back to class. Don't, don't rejoice that the devils were subject to you in my name. That's nothing. Rejoice, rather, that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He said, that's something. So what was he doing? He was training them. He wasn't rebuking them. He was training them. And here is another place. Write it down, look it up for yourself. In, in Mark chapter 6, uh, 39 through 43, this is where Jesus fed, uh, I don't remember if it was 4,000 or 5,000. But it says, then Jesus directed the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So who, what, what, what grouping in today's church has people sit in the right places? We call them ushers. Do you know what Jesus was doing? We're having usher practice. See, they, he didn't just teach them. They just had usher practice. What else did they do? What else did he teach them that day? So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke it. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute. Now they're working in the kitchen. Oh, you got to stay so late when we do those potlucks. You got to make sure everything's cleaned up and never seem to have enough help. I'm always the one that volunteers. Jesus was teaching these guys to serve. What else did he teach them? He also divided the two fish among them all. They ate and were satisfied. And the disciples, are you a disciple? The disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken bread and fish. Now they were cleaning, doing maintenance. He was teaching them to serve. So th there isn't a doubt in my mind that those 120 in that upper room had been trained by Jesus Christ, who didn't come to be served but to serve. There isn't a doubt in my mind that every one of them had, had the Jesus Christ stamp of approval 
servants of the Most High God, they knew, man, just turn us loose. I don't think Peter had to say a thing. I think people just jumped in. They just said, we can do this. See, but we have this in our minds that, that the important ones are the guys with the microphone. Or, or they're up on stage. But, but 1 Corinthians 12, there are diversities of gifts. whole bunch of different gifts. But the same Spirit. So we got different gifts powered by the same Spirit. There are different ministries. But the same Lord. Oh. And there are diversities of activities. But it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit from, for all. So, um, same Spirit, same Lord, same God. Same, same, same. The same God that gives me the ability to stand up here and share these things with you is the same God that the guy at the front door bumped my elbow this morning. Same God. Same blood. And people may take me to task on this, but I think there's only one anointing. We say, whoa, man, that guy was so anointed. I, I, I think he was just doing his part in the strength. Same uh, spirit, same Lord, same God. I, I think he was just doing his part in the strength, in the anointing that Jesus provided. For example, um, uh, if I had uh, uh, a heater here. I could take that heater, I could plug it in, whoo-hoo, we're going to get some nice warm heat out of here. Wow, that's great in the winter. I could unplug that heater and I could plug in a fan. And I could get some nice cool air to blow through there. Now, what's the difference? I plugged them into the same socket. What's the difference? Their purpose. They're gifting. The same power that powers the heater powers the fan. Jesus is not Christ's. As in many anointings, he's one. Jesus Christ, the anointed. So no matter what you do in the church, you're, you're plugged into the same socket I am. We just got different gifts. It's men. We did this. We're the ones that said, whoa, that guy's really important. And I'm not. Well, if you were an earlobe in Uganda, you'd be safe. Because they weren't willing to get rid of even one part. Now, God wants his body to function as one body. The words one accord are used 10 or 12 times in the King James Version of the New Testament. And, and I want you to pay attention. One accord. I want you to watch what happens when every part of the body is in its place and doing their part. Are you with me? And I want you to go to Acts chapter 6. 
I want you to see how an almost insignificant group of people, at least insignificant the way we think, meeting an almost insignificant need brought about revival. And, and I, got, I, I have to ask you, how serious are you about your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or the guy that works across the aisle from you or the woman that works next? How, how concerned are you for their salvation? Because what I'm about to show you was the difference between revival or not. See, Jesus couldn't add 3,000 to the church on the day of Pentecost unless there, was a heart, unless there was a foundation. Remember, he's building a church. You can't build a church without a foundation, folks. It won't work. It certainly won't stand. Had to have a foundation. And if you're really serious about your kid getting saved... then you need to get on your knees, talk to Jesus, and say, Jesus, here I am. Vicki, the other night, my wife, I, I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, just, you know, quick bathroom run. And she said, I woke up when you woke up. And she said, you know, I couldn't get back to sleep. I, I just laid there, and finally I got up at 6 o'clock. I said, Vicki, did you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? She said, yes, you know I did. See, that's the kind of heart that we have to have. Lord, here, here I am. What, you, what, what can I reach? What can I touch? What can I do? What's the good work prepared in advance? You don't need a badge to do that. But you do need to be in one accord. I mean, look at, look at the, you know, a church that's normally got another hundred people to it. Half of you are here, and, and praise God for you. But that makes the workload double. So you have to say, what, what, what is the thing that I can do? Well, I would ask you, what can you touch? What can you reach? If you can reach it, do it with all your might. Now, Acts chapter 6, in verse 1. Now, in those days, the number, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution of the food. So got a little church, church uh, politics or church rumble going on here. See, it even happened back then. So the, the Hebrews were murmuring against, uh, against the, no, no, let's see. The disciples, there arose a murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So we got factions. Got some unrest in the church. Somebody needs to take care of this. Somebody needs to do that. So they got a problem, so they said, well, let's take it to the leaders. You know what I used to always tell our church? 
If you're spiritual enough to see a problem, you are spiritual enough to be a part of the solution. Pastor Norm's never going to have me back. <laughs> then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, because this is now, they went to the leaders, they said, hey, we got a problem here, what, what should we do about this? And, and honestly, I don't see it as, you know, this massive church issue that is going to hold back the revival that God wants to breathe on that church. I, I, I don't see it. These are a bunch of, pardon me, old ladies who are not always getting fed in the daily distribution of the food. Now, I'm sure it was important to the old ladies. But I don't see it as this momentous occasion, this huge occasion, that would hold back the revival of God. I, I just don't see it. Plus, there's strife going on here. So then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, Hey, you guys, because now we, we have in the, the leaders, these disciples, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, these guys, these leaders, they said, you know what? It would not be desirable that we should leave the word of God and wait on tables. Now, they didn't say they were too good to wait on tables. They just said, we know what our part is. And it wouldn't be right for us to leave our part that God's called us to in order to wait on tables. Therefore, brethren, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to the word of God and prayer. We'll give it to the word of God and prayer. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose seven names. Men of, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Whom they set before the apostles when they had prayed and laid hands on them. Now, you know, when I was pastoring, and I still do it today. If there's a need, I see a need, I'm going to jump in there and do what I can. I'm going to try and help. You broke down by the side of the road. If I see you, I'm going to help you. You're struggling with something. We taught at a church over on the other side of the state. A guy talked to me after the service, and he said... Um, could I talk to you and ask you a couple questions? I said, sure. He said, privately? I said, yeah. And I opened the sanctuary door, which was all dark. I said, come on into my office here. And I talked, and we 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 talked. And there was one uh, usher, I think he might have even been an elder, who was waiting to lock the church up. And he's kind of looking at his watch and walking and looking at his watch and watching and Vicky said to him do you need to go someplace well yeah we're supposed to go to a graduation party 
She said, then you better go in there and tell him because if he thinks he can help that guy, he's not coming out until it's done. And you know, that's kind of the way pastors are. They're, I mean, pastors got, I mean, if they're a real pastor, they, I want to serve. And there's nothing that I'm too good to serve at. They'll jump in, feed those widows, and then still try and get ready for Sunday morning. So here was their concern. Some widows not being fed when this food was served. Is that possible to hold back revival? Or, or to not cause all the pieces to be in place for revival? Is a lack of greeters or visiting people or prayer people? Is, is kids needing to be taught? Is, are, are those things that would cause the Lord say, ah, then we don't have enough of a foundation here. I can't pour it out. Because there's nobody there to catch. To catch them. Help make disciples. Leader said, wouldn't be right for us to leave our place. We know our place. Word of God and prayer in order to serve tables. They had a place that God set them in. Now they needed to equip the saints. Go find seven guys. Here's their qualifications. They understood their job was to serve the people by equipping them for the work of the ministry. Now, last week I got really sweaty and not too bad today. But I usually carry one of these around with me wherever I go. A towel of some sort. Just keep my bald head from shining too much. But I, but I want to show you something. And, and I want you to pay really close attention. Here is my sweat rag. Now I'm going to take that sweat rag and I'm going to move it from there to there. Okay? What's going to happen, do you know? I'm going to move the sweat rag. You should have known this. I gave you the answer. I, 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 I'm going to move this sweat rag from there to there. And, and that's should be your expectation that I'm going to get this job done. I'm going to move it from there to there. Okay. You got it? Okay, here we go. What was wrong with what I just did? What's it, what, what is it? Can't talk ever? No. <laughs> yeah. No. What, what else is wrong with what I did? Because I, I did get it from there to there. This over here. Yep, over there. You end guys. Boy, you're just hemming them in. I used the wrong body part. I accomplished the right thing, but I used the wrong body part. I should have used my hand. That's what it's created for. Now, I could do it like that with my mouth, but it's still the wrong body part. And that's what these disciples were saying. Hey, look, we know our part. We're not, it's not that we're too good to do this, but, you know, we're supposed to stick with the Word of God in prayer. 
If we do that to wait on tables, then we're actually being disobedient to the Lord. So find seven guys. Here's their qualifications. So what were the results of taking seven guys and saying, your job is to feed the old ladies? And they did. Which, again, I don't see, from a human standpoint, that being a big deal. But what happened when those seven guys took their place? Three miraculous things happened when a seemingly small and insignificant need was served by the right body part. You ready for it? The results are in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So you got these guys serving the old ladies. Then the word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. Three miracles that total revival. Number one, the word of the Lord increased. Why? Because the preacher wasn't on the John Deere mowing the lawn. He was in the word of God in prayer. So the word of the Lord increased. And God increased because God did it. He was pleased that the body was functioning as a body. Number two, a great number of disciples were multiplied, not added, multiplied to the church. Why? Because these seven guys started feeding the old ladies. They said, we can do this. Good work prepared in advance. We can walk in this. And last, a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. In other words, other churches started going, now what's the scope? Why is your church growing like that? Why are you having a revival? What is it that you're doing? When Vicki and I first moved to Iowa and the church began to grow and it was happening, I stopped into the hardware store, the lumber yard, and I said, you know, here's who I am and I need to pick up this. And the guy said, your church is really growing out there. I said, yeah, God's been faithful. It's, it's good. He said, what's the key? Do you guys have a lot of potlucks? I said, No. And I didn't take time to tell him, but what I should have told him is every joint supplies. And God was doing it. Last story, and then I'll wrap this up. Like I said, this is normally three days all day when I go overseas. Uh, Before I went out to Iowa... I was the congregational pastor at a large church. So I was the guy that got the call in the middle of the night. I was the tender of the sheep. Our senior pastor uh, was an author. He wrote books, and he did a whole bunch of stuff. But he, he was there most Sundays. And uh, one of the things that I saw, nobody assigned me to it, was I had a friend who was serving a natural life sentence in prison for really a very violent murder. But he had gotten radically saved. 
Now, I didn't know him until I had visited a prison the first time with somebody else because I always said, I'll never do prison ministry. I was always afraid they'd keep me. That's the truth. I was scared to death. But I agreed to go with a guy, and I met this fella in there, and uh, we got to be friends. And I used to call him the uh, Apostle Paul to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Because every time they would transfer him to a different place, he'd contact me and say, we need to get a Bible school started. We need outside volunteers. I said, I'm on it. We'll get it. And so I was going how many times a month? Ten times? Twelve times a month. I was going. I was going all the way up to Brimley, up there, and, and down south, I was going all over the place, 12 times a month. We sold one of our vehicles, you know, trying to consolidate. And I said, man, we don't have, well, how come we don't have any more money? We're not making that car payment anymore. Vicki said, yeah, we're not making a car payment, but we're making a prison payment. Because you go all over teaching in prisons. And she was for me. She was, she was happy. We were glad to do it. But I had one guy that every place I went, he went. Every place. And uh, most of the time, he'd show up to my house about 20 minutes early before we were supposed to leave. He'd have a thermos full of coffee, go out and start my car if it was hot. And he would drive me to the prisons. He just felt like that's what God wanted him to do. Not because I was a big shot, but because... I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Sunday night, Thursday night. I went to staff meetings. Uh, I worked full-time in the office, 40-plus hours in the office, and then did extra stuff. And so the prison was all on my time. And so David used to come, and he, he was just faithful. One day he asked me, Pastor Ted, can I mow your lawn? I said, David, what do you want to mow my lawn for? I can mow my lawn. I had a big lawn and a push lawnmower. He said, I I just want to mow your lawn. You should be in the word of God and prayer. And don't worry about that. I'll take care of it. I said, David, I can mow my own lawn. He said, Pastor, come on, please. I said, okay, mow my lawn. I used to be in the house in the air conditioning, and David would take a big rag, and he'd wrap it around his head, and he'd be out there mowing and sweating and pushing that lawnmower, and I'm on the inside in the air conditioning going, David, I could do that. Well, finally, I'd had enough, so I went to him one day, and I said, David, listen to me. I love you, brother, and I appreciate all that you do, but I can mow my own lawn. Okay? Okay, pastor, if that's what you want. I said, yep, that's exactly what I want. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time we go to prison. So I started mowing my lawn. A couple weeks goes by. David comes to me, and he says, Pastor, Why can't I mow your lawn? Did I do something? 
are you mad at me? I said, no, David, I'm not mad at you. Well, then why can't I mow your lawn? I said, because I can do it. He said, you don't understand. Every time I mow your lawn, I get blessed. You are stealing from me. You are robbing from me. I said, well, have at it, bud. <laughs> Just get, uh, get right on it. And do you know, David, and I, I don't know that this was cause and effect, but do you know David and his wife could not have children? They tried and tried and tried. And I always say, David and his wife got pregnant mowing my lawn. Because a faithful man abounds with blessing. See, I don't think you should do what you do hoping that God gives you more kids or gives you a big house or something. I think you should do what you do out of the love that you have in your heart for Jesus. A guy called me one day because uh, we had a Bible school and he said, Pastor Ted, you know I should be in full-time ministry. I don't understand. How do I get in full-time ministry? You, you know I'm called. And these words just popped out of my mouth. It was like, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. I said, here's what you do, brother. I said, fall in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love with Jesus, you'll fall in love with his people. And when you fall in love with his people, look up. You're in the ministry. I went, whoa. I'd like to take credit for that one, but I can't. So see, again, I'm done. I didn't come to motivate you to action. I, I got my own issues that I have to deal with being motivated to action. But what I came to do was to motivate you, or not motivate, but to reveal to you the love of Christ which would produce in you a reaction. Because faith works by love. Remember we talked last week? 1 Corinthians 12, ministry of helps. God has set in the church first apostles, second prophets. Remember that? And then he shows us by the end of chapter 12, he shows us which one of the gifts is the best gift, and it was ministry helps. It's undeniable. And then he says, and now I show you a better way. Okay, what is it? And then he goes to this love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy. And doesn't. It's like, what, what happened? I'll show you a better way. Because in verse four, or chapter 14, he goes right back into helps and gifts in the church. What, what's up with that? Because we use 1 Corinthians 13 love chapter for Valentine's Day and weddings and funerals and stuff. Except for what he was saying is here's the better way. Here's how the ministry of helps works. It works by love. It works by love. That's how it works. Those chapter marks are only in there because some guy said, this would be a good place to take a break. It, 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 that was just a letter written to the 
Corinthians. You don't tell them how to build a garage and in the middle of it, here's how you make, I'll, I'll, now here's the real secret to making sure your garage gets upright and then spend a whole two pages on how to make bread pudding. No, that, that, that was a letter that just went on right through. Because faith works by love. Christ's love compels us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Ministry of helps. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Helps. It's all over in the Bible. And if you don't have ears to hear, I, I, I feel bad for you. I, honestly, I do. You should seek the Lord. Ask Him to grant you repentance and salvation. And, and I'm serious about that. I, I, I'm serious. If you don't, I, I think I told you, I told the big Baptist church in Alpena, I don't care if you've been going here for 30 years. If you don't, all you do is come and get your spoonful of Christianity on Sunday morning and go home. You, you need to talk to one of these elders. Find out about salvation. I don't care who you are in town or what you do. We're the body of Christ. You know the original small group? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We're created for community. That's what we're created for. We're created for community with Christ. We're created for community with one another. Because the Jesus in you and the Jesus in me get along really well. And then when the flesh in me gets out of line, the Jesus in you goes, hey, Ted. That's how community works. I've done this a lot of times. It got to the point where I did it so many times, I didn't even have to pray about it. God pulled me up short on that. But I've seen miracles take place when people get this word and put it into action. Six months before that big earthquake in Haiti, a buddy of mine said, hey, can you go down to Haiti with me? They read your book and they wanna, want you to come preach. I said, man, we can do that on a weekend. That's, that's not the other side of the world. That's just south of Florida. So we went down and we preached and I taught ministry of helps and those preachers came back after Sunday and they said, man, we taught ministry of helps in our church and our churches are excited and they're, they picked up brooms and they're greeting people and they're giving people rides to church and he said, man, it's just absolutely amazing and we're going, yeah, praise God, you know. 
But we didn't know that six months later would be the most devastating earthquake to ever hit Haiti. And you know the churches that had revival and kept the people? The ones that understood that every joint supplies and the ministry of the helper is vital. They had revival. I told you three stories ago. I told you that last story. But I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for the people that are watching. Listen, listen to me. I want God's best for you, and God's best for you is Jesus Christ. Our Christianity should be an outward manifestation of an inward revelation. They'll know we're Christians by the love that we have for one another. And love expresses itself in works. Vicky goes back into the laundry room and she goes, hey, you put the, did you put the clothes in the dryer for me? Yeah, that was me. Just two of us that live here. Yep. Thank you. That was faith, that, that, that was service by love. I didn't have to go out there and go, hey, you know, should I get a star? For all I knew, she'd go in there and go, oh, I must have put the clothes in the dryer. See, if you really care about your relatives and your friends and eternity, our world has changed, guys. This this has changed. I'm going to tell you, we are never, ever, ever going back in our lifetime to the way things were. It's my opinion. I get one. But I don't think we're ever going back. Yeah. (laughs) I'm with you. But we know that it's going to grow darker and darker and worse and worse and men will be lovers of their own selves and, and Paul calls those perilous times. We just don't want that spirit in the church. Because if you're a believer, you're all about humble yourself and serve, not about get and grab. I got to stop talking. Father, thank you. Thank you for the great love that you have shown towards us in revealing the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. And that that grace by way of that sacrifice, opened the door that we could once again walk into the presence of God without fear, without condemnation. We could lift up holy hands. We could praise Him. 
He could speak to our hearts through His Word. The Word becomes alive to us. And the same breath that He breathed into Adam, He breathed into His Word. Same breath. All Scripture is God breathed. Same breath. Help us to treasure that Word and do what we do. Not for personal gain, but for the glory of God. To give what we give. Not for personal gain. Not for the accolades of men, but for the glory of God. Lord, you said in even the small things, whatever we do in word or deed, whether we eat or drink, we should do them for the glory of God. To the glory of God. Help us, Lord, to take the back seat where we belong. And function in the grace that you've provided. God-loving, faith-loving, service-giving, redeemed people of the Most High God. Lord, for those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Let us not be like the man who heard, but then did nothing. He deceived himself. That's what your word says. The devil got to take a day off. He took care of deception all by himself. Lord, make us a body that loves you, that is passionate about you. That glorifies you, that thinks about you all through the day. You're the first thought, you're the last thought. In you we live and move and have our being. I don't want to step out of you. I want to be in you. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we're going to do it in your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.